Hi, I'm Eric Voss, and Game of Thrones' final episode ended in ways parallel to the series' origin, but in other ways vastly different. And literally 100% of viewers were pleased. Well done, HBO. Oh, wait, lots of fans are disappointed? Huh, well. There's actually a lot of deeper meaning hidden in the series' closing imagery, hinting at big mysteries for the characters' futures, and key symbolism for how the finale provides closure to the events of the past eight seasons. So I'm gonna explain what it all means. Okay, the final montage depicts epilogues for three characters, Jon Snow, Arya Stark and Sansa Stark. The editing of the sequence sinks their action. The close-ups of their primary weapons, Jon's hand on Longclaw, Arya's hand on the dagger she killed the Night King with, and Sansa's hand slipping through her new queen garment, embroidered with red weirwood leaves. Her steadfast defense of northern traditions won Sansa this victory. Sansa becomes Queen of the North, which isn't Queen of all of Westeros, but Queen of the only part of Westeros she ever cared about. Bran allowed the North to regain its independence, bringing it full circle with its history historical sovereignty. The North was only annexed to the other kingdoms by the threat of Targaryen Dragonfire. Now that the dragons have left Westeros, the North can go back to its true status. Bran may have been awarded the monarchy at the end of this series, but these final minutes never show this kind of crowning ceremony for him. Bran's reign only really exists as a solution that the warring factions of Westeros could live with, whereas Sansa's crowning is the symbolic victory that really matters in this finale. Bran leaves the ruling of the kingdom in the hands of Tyrion in the small council. He plans to use his warging abilities to track down Drogon, who was last seen flying east. East to Old Valyria, where dragons and Targaryens once resided, or east to the mysterious Shadowlands, east of Ashai, where Danny's eggs came from. It's not certain which, but Bran's focus is shifting eastward with Drogon. Like Drogon, Jon, and Arya, this supernatural force is leaving the drama of Westeros behind. Arya sheathes her dagger. Her fighting is done, and instead she fiddles with a telescope and maps, reflecting her future as an explorer sailing west of Westeros. This was a dream she brought up in season six when she feared that she would always be hunted by enemies in Westeros and Essos. Arya is following in the footsteps of legendary Westeros figures like Alyssa Farman, who sailed west across the Sunset Sea on her ship the Sun Chaser, discovered three islands, and some believe circumnavigated this globe to the far east, to the city of Ashai. Westeros has been compared geographically to Britain, Essos to Eurasia, and Sothros to Africa. So perhaps west of Westeros are other continents similar to the Americas. Arya sailing into the sunset also parallels the epilogue of Frodo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings of the Return of the King. Frodo was no longer capable of finding purpose in this land, haunted by wounds that never heal, just like Arya has outgrown this land, still bearing the scar on her forehead, seeking new shores and new adventures. Her final shot echoes the midpoint of this HBO series, the season four finale, when Arya last left Westeros, hopefully gazing eastward from the bow of a Bravosi ship. The Stark sisters are separated geographically, but they maintain family unity by both bearing the sigils of House Stark. Arya's bow and sails show the direwolf, the back of Sansa's throne shows direwolf heads as well. And over all this, the music composed by Ramin Jawadi is called The Last of the Starks, and it blends the House Stark theme with the main Game of Thrones title theme, as if to say this game music that we've heard at the start of all 73 episodes now marches to the beat of the wolves. John joins his sisters in that pack pride. The montage opens with the hilt of Longclaw, the white wolf head. This hilt was actually in focus the moment John killed Danny, staring down Danny's dragon head pin. The dragon and the wolf united one last time. John's choice brings him back to where he belongs, the north, with his direwolf spirit animal, Ghost. But looking forward, what is John's future? Where does he go? More on John in a bit, but first, thanks to our sponsor Skillshare for helping us make this episode. Skillshare is an online 
online learning community with more than 25,000 classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Explore classes in everything from photography, creative writing, marketing, productivity, and more. Its premium membership gives you unlimited access to high quality classes from experts working in their fields to help you gain new skills and live your best life. To help me sharpen my eye to analyze the amazing cinematography of Game of Thrones, I tried out the Skillshare course, Cinematography Basics, Understanding Filmmaking Style by Zach Mulligan, taught me a lot about the visual language of shot composition and camera movement. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. And because Skillshare is sponsoring this episode, the first 500 people to sign up with the link in the description will get a free trial. Just go to skl.sh slash new rockstars or click on the link in the description. Okay, back to John. John appears to be Lord Commander of the Night's Watch once more. And if so, after Dollar is said as 999th Lord Commander, this might make John the 1000th Lord Commander, depending on whether they're counting by number of tenures or number of people. Either way, according to Tyrion, the Night's Watch now functions as a kind of penal colony, a place for bastards and broken men to find redemption. This echoes a key theme of George R. R. Martin's works, the tender spot for cripples, bastards, and broken things. And Tyrion's early wisdom to John: never forget what you are, for surely the world will not make it your strength, then it can never be your weakness. Armor yourself in it, and it will never be used to hurt you. Tyrion applies this logic to Bran by naming him Bran the Broken and repeating that title over and over again. And John lives on as Jon Snow, not his true identity, Aegon Targaryen, because his status as Jon Snow, a Night's Watch bastard, was always his armor. But despite John's apparent Lord Commander status, he marches north of the Wall with Tormund and the Wildlings. He may be leading an expedition or going off to live with these Wildlings, leading them like Moses leading an exodus. The final shots show the gate closing behind him and John fading into the darkness of the forest as if to never return. John's epilogue is by far the most mysterious. He remains a resurrected soul by the power of the Lord of Light, one who has survived miraculously over and over since that resurrection. That first shot of Longclaw in this sequence matches the framing of Longclaw during John's most insane recovery from the icy water north of the Wall in Season 7. So can John ever die? Is he still even human? In early seasons, John was obsessed with finding his uncle Benjen, who later was revealed to have been saved by the Children of the Forest, who stabbed his heart with a dragonglass dagger, turning him into this half-alive, half-dead status. Kind of like a half-measure of what they did to create the Night King. Benjen's fate was similar to that of the Knight's King from George R. R. Martin's books. That was the legendary 13th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, who fell in love with a woman with skin as white as the moon and eyes like blue stars. This man married her at the Night Fort, declared himself the Night's King, and committed various atrocities like making sacrifices to the others, similar to the human sacrifices Craster made. This Night's King was believed to be half dead, half alive. So this could be John's future. Remember, part of his punishment was that he would father no children. So maybe his final journey north is his way of starting a new bloodline, replacing the show's version of the Night King as a kind of undead supernatural link between life and death, maintaining his vows to serve as a shield that guards the realms of men, but north of the Wall, with descendants that stay north of the Wall. Whatever dark future may await John, the camera does not follow him. Again, John, Arya, Drogon, Bran, these magical forces exit our world, and we do not go with them. Instead, staying on the game board with us is Sansa, Tyrion, Davos, Sam, Brienne, the others. Individuals most focused on the long-term health of society and reconstruction. The closing scene parallels the opening scene of the series, with many of the shots framed exactly the same. It was the prologue that introduced the supernatural threat. Winter is coming to Westeros. 
This finale suggests the opposite, that those supernatural elements in winter is leaving Westeros, like a sickness being cleansed out of a body. This resurgence of hope and new life in Westeros is symbolized by a close-up of a tiny green plant poking out of the snow. The title of George R. R. Martin's final book is A Dream of Spring, and with this plant, the dream of spring lives on in Westeros. What do you think John's future will be? Well, comment down below with your thoughts. Follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at EAVoss, and subscribe to New Rockstars. Thank you for joining me, and to those of you who are tweeting me clearly parodying criticisms like bad writing and rushed and foreshadowing is not character development. Oh my god, you sound so smart.